I'm just so excited to bring to you guys um, this word that God put on my heart this morning. Um, and we're continuing on in our series on prayer. And one of the topics that uh, Vince and Larissa wanted me to bring to us today is worship. What does it look like to pray through worship? What does it look like to sing our prayers and pray our songs? What does it look like for worship to become our prayer? But first, before we get into it, I'm going to pray. Lord, I just thank you, God, so much for this morning. God, I thank you for the word that you put on my heart for our congregation this morning. Lord, let your will be done. God, let every word that um, I say come from you. Um, Lord, I just pray for um, just hearts to be open to what you have to hear. God, lives to continue to um, change, God, and just for us to know your peace this morning. God, we love you. We thank you so much for this word in your name. Amen. Cool. Well, worship, I love worship. Um, when I was 11 or 12 years old, I got thrown onto my youth group's worship team um, because they needed a vocalist and they found out that I could sing. I sang an Alicia Keys song and they're like, she can sing. We don't have a worship team, so we're going to put her on. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then my pastor didn't have a guitarist. And so he was like, hey, you want to learn how to play the guitar? And then a month later, he was like, hey, do you want to be on the worship team? And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so ever since then, I've been on this journey with God, and I'm not an expert at all in um, worship. I'm not an expert at all in music, but I'm learning and I'm growing with God as I'm discovering more of who I am in Him. Um, so this morning, I wanted to bring up this topic, um, worship through prayer. Um, prayer through worship. What does it look like for us to use this tool in our prayer life? Um, I want to bring our attention first is that worship and prayer are really similar. Um, worship and prayer are both places where we can humbly come to the Father to commune with Him, to focus on Him, to communicate with Him. Like our prayer times, we're using worship to meet God in His holy presence. Our souls and our hearts become aware of our mighty God as it would when we would just speak our prayers. And we glorify him and honor him like we would in speaking our prayers. And we're able to step into an opportunity to connect with him on a deeper level like we would with our prayers. In this practice of praying through worship, we can sing our prayers out to God and we can use worship songs as prayers to him. And in that, we recognize as we practice that worship is powerful. It's not just a song that we sing, but worship is powerful. And yet, not as complicated as we make it out to be. Um, I'm going to dive into it and kind of dissect it for us. So when we talk about um, singing our prayers, it could kind of sound a little intimidating, especially for those of us who might be in the mindset of like, oh, I got to be a great singer in order to actually sing out my prayers. But a thought that came through my mind at the end of the day is that when we go back to heaven, all we're going to be doing is praising God. And so why are we afraid now to take our prayers and put them into a melody? It's a practice that seems really intimidating, but I, I believe in you guys. You can do it if this is something that you guys want to do. Um, when we sing our prayers, 
we are actually taking our prayers up to God, lifting them up in song. We're making them into a melody. We're putting a melody to them like these biblical characters that I'm about to share with you guys did. Um, Moses and Miriam, when they came out of the Red Sea, when all the Egyptian like fighters and horses and riders got drowned into the sea, they triumphed for being on the other side and going into this journey with God. Um, and then later Miriam and the women sang their songs out to God too. Um, they used their prayer of deliverance, they used their prayer of triumph, and they turned it into a song. At the beginning of it, it says, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously and has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Another person in the Bible that turned her prayer into a song, a song of thankfulness, was Hannah in 1 Samuel 2. Um, when she prayed a prayer to the Lord to help her overcome her enemies um, and giving her a son, Samuel. My heart rejoices in the Lord. Uh, the Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies, those who doubted that God could move in this way in her life. I rejoice because, God, you rescued me. Mary also sings a song out, too, to the Lord for the blessing of being able to carry the Savior after meeting with Elizabeth. She sings out in response, I'm giving honor for this, for this honor that she was given um, and giving glory and praise to him. When we sing our prayers, our prayers in these melodies are being lifted up to God in the same way as our prayers would also be lifted up to God, except it's just sung to him. The Lord loves our melodies. He loves our prayers turned into melodies. He loves when we worship him because we were created at the beginning of time to worship God. At the beginning of time, God's will and goodness were filled all over the earth. Like everywhere you go, like you were swimming in it. You were swimming in the will and goodness of God. Um, in Genesis 1 and 2, we see this. So naturally, because of that, all things worship God. The creatures of the land, the sea, the air, the birds, the seagulls, um, all those things. <laughs> Human beings were created to worship God and therefore in response worshiped God. And humans worship God by obeying him and praising him and partnering with him in this work of creation, naming the animals, animals taking care of the land. They worshiped God. But what happens in Genesis 3 is that the fall of man happens. And when the fall of man happened, we began as human beings to search for other things to satisfy us rather than obeying God and glorifying his name. When glorifying God and praising him both in song and in our day-to-day -day lives, being obedient to him was how we were supposed to be satisfied, was how our minds, hearts, and souls were supposed to get their thirst satisfied, was through worshiping God. Deep down, we long to live how we were created. We were long to be satisfied by only God through his praise. But we continuously search for something else to gratify us 
all the time. For me, an immediate gratification is YouTube. I love looking up puppy videos, and I also love watching Beyond Scared Straight. Um, so uh, those videos kind of like tune out my mind when I'm feeling kind of anxious and I need some instant gratification when really the place that I should be going to is God because he created me, he created us to thirst and to long for him. We'll never stop searching until we decide again to live how we were created to live. I love these um, verses that I'm about to throw at you guys. In Isaiah 43, it says, God says, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Psalms 95.6 says, Oh, come, let us worship our maker, identifying that he is our maker. In Psalm 149, it also says this, Oh, Israel, rejoice in your maker. Oh, people of Jerusalem, exalt in your king. In Psalms 103, I love this because it's kind of what I've been talking about of praise the Lord my soul, a call to our soul to praise the Lord, all my inmost being. Praise the Lord. Every part of me, praise the Lord. Where do we go for our satisfaction? Where do we go when we're feeling anxious? Where do we go when we need to take our minds off things? Where do we go when we have an issue? Where do we go when we have a problem? What are those instant gratification things that you go to? Where are our eyes focused on instead of focused on God? God still moves, though, whether or not we choose to worship him or not. He isn't looking for us to give him something in order for him to move in our lives, but our souls deep down long for something more than materials, more than YouTube, more than Instagram, more than social media, more than that person. Our souls thirst and crave for God and God alone. Going back to when we turn our prayers into song, we see this in the book of Psalms all over the place. Um, the Psalms were written a lot by David and some Moses and Asaph, some Solomon, the sons of Korah, um, and some unknown writers wrote and, con and it was compiled in the canon, this book of Psalms that is part of a section of books called the writings. Um, they turn their prayers into sacred poems meant to be sung out. Um, two of my favorite Psalms that you can see they have like a prayerful language to it is Psalms 5, 1 through 3. It says, listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Psalms 25 was something that I read in middle school and high school a lot. Um, I'm going to share one little section. It says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truths and teach me, for you are God my Savior. And my hope is in you all the day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from the old. You could see like how prayerful and how poetic these words are that these psalmists wrote in order for them to be sung out. These prayers, these poems in order to be sung out by the people, by us. 
And a silly thought, I was like thinking like it would be so cool if like Spotify existed back then and like recording studios and stuff like that because David could have gone into the studio and recorded what this all sounds like so that we could go on Spotify or Pandora or whatever to just hear what they sound like. But unfortunately, we don't have that. But we have an ability to take these psalms as our prayers. We have an ability to use our own song, sorry, use our own prayers to be able to just meet God where he's at, to meet with him in his holy place. I don't know if you guys know this artist, her name's Stephanie Gretzinger, and she used to play a lot with Bethel music. She played a lot with Maverick City music, um, and she's one of my favorite worship leaders. And she was going through an issue with fear, and it came to a head when she went into the recording studio and her producer came up to her and said, you have three hours to write this song. You have only three hours to write a song or else it's not gonna be on the album. And she felt the fear starting to come in, that usual issue that she's been having with fear start to dredge in her heart. She's like, oh, I don't think I can do this. Is this legitimate? Like, I don't know. Um, and so she just started like going to the piano and she's just started playing. She started like singing some stuff, but it didn't feel right. She felt frustrated. She was throwing away pieces of paper into the trash. And she came to this realization like, I, I don't know, I, I haven't overcome this fear. And so she went to prayer and she just worshiped. She didn't come with any plan. She just prayed and she worshiped. And the Lord spoke to her and said, you've been facing this fear in your life and you never just cut off its head. You've been facing this fear in your life and you never just cut off its head. Like the story of David and Goliath, after David brought down Goliath and cut off his head, is that kind of parallel? Um, and she was like, wow, that's so true. Like I've been face to face with fear, but I've never just let it go and cut it off. And so from her prayer and from God speaking to her, she created one of my favorite worship songs called Letting Go. Um, and if you guys haven't heard it, go and go listen to it. It's really awesome. Um, but from that, she is a real-life example of somebody, even though she's an artist, um, somebody that made a prayer into a song. If she can do it, if people in Scripture have done it, then we can do it too. And it's a practice that will bring our hearts back into this focus, into this place of God is the one who should be worshiped. God is the one I direct my prayers to. God is the one that I go to when I'm going through hard times. When we practice prayer through worship, we also can pray our songs, um, pray worship songs and pray hymns. In the interview that I listened to from Stephanie Gretzinger about her song, Letting Go, she said this at the end. She said, this is way more than a song right now. God is doing a big thing in my life through this song, and he's using it to break through for more than just me. Me breaking through my issue with fear to write this song will help others who hear it. This song became my prayer and something that helped me in college when I felt absolutely worthless. I was going through like a really hard time with um, some relationships and letting go of those things. Um, that I like brought myself into a hole of despair and depression and anxiety. And I remember listening to the song and it became my prayer. On the bridge part, it says, you remind me of things forgotten and you unwind me 
until I'm totally undone. With your arms around me, fear is no match for your love. And I felt like that bridge just brought me to this place of like, you remind me of the things I've forgotten about myself and you're unwinding the pain that I'm going through and helping me to let go of this stuff that I'm holding on to. And it took time, it took like constant praying out this specific song to get through what I was going through, but God met me in that place. In worship, um, we can use um, worship songs that we've listened to. We can use worship songs that we've listened to um, at church to just be able to come to a place of prayer with God, like I just showed you guys. Um, to come to his holy place, to come into his presence when we don't know what to say. Um, like in the song, what we just sang this morning, Heart of Worship. Uh, we are saying to God, we're saying to God a prayer as we sing, I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. We're refocusing our minds when we're saying that. And we're, when we're using it as a prayer, we're saying like, Lord, there's places in my life, maybe I have, to, I have to come back to the heart of worship as I'm singing this out. Um, and in the next verse, it says, I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. It's all about you. And this verse helps us to realize that maybe we have made worship about us, or maybe we've used worship as a way to worship other things in our lives and not God. And so there are different ways to interpret in our minds, but when we come to worship songs and when we use them as our prayers, um, they can help us process and figure out in our hearts, like there's things that I'm working through and there's things that, um, that I need to glorify in God. And so I'm gonna use this song to help me through that. Um, like I said, when we don't have the words to say to God, worship songs, even the Psalms are there as like structures to help us pray to God. I have gone into seasons where I've been like kind of frustrated with prayer because I didn't, well, more frustrated with myself because I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know what to say to God. And so worship songs and Psalms help me to come to a place where like, I can say this and it still means something to me because this psalm, this song still identifies with what I'm going through, so I'm going to use it to pray to God. Um, it's just, I feel like songs are more than just songs. Like I was saying, these artists, the psalmists, use them as prayers to pray them up to God. And so when we sing worship songs, there's so much more than just a song that we sing. There are prayers. And when we have our time of worship, we can sit down and use these tools of singing our prayers and praying our songs as we begin to recognize that worshiping God is powerful, but it is also not as complicated as we think. And God is meant to be glorified. In our worship, when we come to him, it's not just to contend for ourselves, but it's to recognize that God is powerful um, and that God is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of all the glory in our lives. 
and he is powerful through our praise when we come to him in worship. And we see two cool examples of these in the Bible. In 2 Chronicles 20, King Jehoshaphat is leading this army into battle with their enemies, the Moabites and the Ammonites. And he leads this army with singers in the front. It says, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At that very moment, they began to sing. At the very moment, they began to let out their praise. All of a sudden, these armies came at each other instead of at the army of King Jehoshaphat and started killing each other off. When that praise started, something powerful happened in the midst of that battlefield and no one on their, the enemy side escaped. Praise is powerful. We also see this in Acts 16. When Paul and Silas are in jail, they were in jail because they casted out a spirit in this young lady, and the Roman officer saw it and put them in jail, beat them, and in the midst of their pain and in the midst of the unknown, they were faithful to God and God was faithful to them. And they just began to pray and to sing and to sing hymns. And then once they were doing that, these other prisoners were looking and watching, probably wondering, like, what are they doing? Why are they singing? Like, they just got beat up. Like, why is there's no hope? But suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself, but Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. The jailer was able to see the power of God. The prisoners were able to see the power of God through Silas and Paul's prayers. When it didn't seem like it made sense for them to pray out to God, they did, and God did something in their praise. I had this thought, um, that the Lord gave me that if he can shatter chains and open prison doors, and if he can bring our enemies against each other for his people, he can sure break down strongholds in us through our praise. He can sure do something in worship, in our personal time in service. He can do a work in us because praise is powerful. Worshiping our songs Praying our songs, pr worshiping to our prayers, can be used as an opportunity for God to move powerfully in our lives. When I was a kid, I felt like the stereotype of my life and the stronghold that I held in my heart was that because I didn't have a dad, I was gonna have daddy issues for the rest of my life. And those daddy issues were gonna cause me to do things that I didn't wanna do. But that was like something I felt stuck with. And so in my heart, the stronghold was that. And the stronghold was that I would never forgive my dad for leaving me. And so when I was a kid, I went to youth group. And I was 11 or 12 years old. And 
they were ha they had free food there, so that was like the only reason why I went. I remember, <laughs> I remember like they had like hamburgers with like barbecue sauce slathered on it, and I was like, yeah, that's good. So, <laughs> so I would go to church just to eat, but I was also kind of drawn to the worship. I was drawn to like the songs. At the time, we didn't have a youth band, so the projectors had worship songs from YouTube on it. But even that, I never seen worship songs before. I've never heard them. But like the band was cool. But really underneath, I felt like now I can realize that God was drawing me using that worship, using those songs. And one day in worship, one day at youth group, we were standing there and the songs were going by. And I was like, I guess I'll sing along. I guess I'll sing along this time. You know what, God, like if you're real, then I'm gonna sing along and see if you show up. And so I was singing and I was just like playing along with everybody else. And then I felt like this pressure in my heart. And then I started crying. And I was like, why am I crying? <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I just felt this really clear voice tell me that I've always been here for you. I'm your father and I'll never leave you. And I started breaking down even more. <laughs> but from that point on, the stronghold of being held by a stereotype of like, I'm gonna have daddy issues for the rest of my life. The stronghold of like, my dad left me and he doesn't love me and therefore no one loves me started to break away. And I started to go into a process and a journey with God of forgiveness. And it's a, still something that I work through to this day, but in worship, God broke something in me. And so if he could break something in me, if he could break something in the Bible, and if we believe the Bible is spirit and truth, then he can do it in us. And worship isn't just contending for ourselves. Worship is contending for our community. It's contending for our family. It's contending for our spouse. It's contending for our children. We're using worship as a way of lifting up our prayers, but we're lifting other people and we're lifting them, believing that God can break strongholds in people dealing with alcoholism. God can break strongholds in people dealing with depression. God can break strongholds in anybody. And so we can use prayer. We can use prayer through worship as a way of bringing people before God, believing that our worship is powerful and God uses it to break things. God is in the midst of our worship. Um, there's this quote that my friend shared with me this week when I was praying and going over the sermon uh, this week. It's an Oswald Chambers quote. It's really popular. Uh, he says, prayer is not a preparation for the word. It's the word. I also love the adaptation um, that was made of for his utmost, my utmost for his highest. Um, and the quote is changed to say um, this for kids. We treat worship like we are inviting God to a birthday party, but really it is attending we a party we have already been invited to. We treat worship like we are inviting God to a birthday party, but really it is attending a party we have already been invited to. When we step into worship, when we pray to him in our worship, God is already there. We don't need to invite him. We don't need to like open the door and be like, we're ready for you now. Like he's already here with us before, during, and after. He is in the midst. Are we allowing ourselves to see worship, to see songs way more than just singing them? 
Are we stepping in to actually use these things to communicate with the God who is already there? We don't always have to use worship songs as ways of prayer. Like, I like to bump Maverick City music just to, like, listen to it, just to bop to it. Um, <laughs> but if we, our attitude when we look at worship songs, our attitude when we're in service singing songs, our attitude um, in the car when something on Air One comes on that's like a worship song, is that it's just a song. We're not allowing it to do something in us and to transform us an opportunity for us to communicate with God through this thing? Are we allowing songs to be more than just songs? Are we recognizing that we don't have to invite God into the room because he's already here with us? When we come before God in worship, and when we truly let go of everything to focus on him, we realize that worship is less complicated than we think it is. Our relationship with God is even more simple than we make it out to be sometimes. When we come to him in worship, we don't have to come with him with anything. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be our good. We can just simply come to him to just be loved. I used to be a nanny during the pandemic, and I loved it. They were so sassy, and it hurt my soul sometimes because I'm not sassy, so <laughs> it was kind of hard. Um, but I love them, they're so cute. Uh, and I remember we were outside and we were playing. They love to play with chalk, they're little artists. And they would fight over the chalk. So the youngest one, she's four, she would take the chalk and then like run around with it. Her favorite one was purple, so she'd like hide it in this little corner from me and her sister. And I'm like, why are you hiding all the purple? Um, we'd always run out of white and the oldest one would get upset. Um, but this one time, we were making a Christmas tree on the floor, and it wasn't Christmas time yet. I think it was like May or July or something. And we were making this cr huge Christmas tree, and we were talking about Christmas and how excited she was for Christmas. And I remember the oldest one um, was finishing it up, and she said that she loves Christmas because Jesus is born. I was like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting like Santa. I was expecting like presents. And so I asked her like, so then what's your favorite thing about Jesus? And she said that he loves me. He didn't, she didn't say like, oh, he gives me things or like, oh, he helps me in this situation. She said that he loves me. I was like, wow, <laughs> I feel convicted. <laughs> um, but we kind of see, like, in Matthew 18, the simplicity factor of, like, just coming to be loved, that teaching being shown to the disciples. Matthew 18, 1 through 3, is when the disciples come up to Jesus and they're like, who's going to be the first in the kingdom? Who, who out of us is going to be the first? Like, next to you, we're going to be, like, helping you and be in charge. And they were looking they were so preoccupied with the organization of Jesus's kingdom that they were missing sight of the divine purpose of it all. They were missing sight of what truly mattered. And so Jesus did like the ultimate mic drop and he said, truly, truly, I tell you, as he called the child to himself, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom 
of God. When did it become so difficult for us? When did it become so complicated for us to just come before God and to just simply be loved? In these worship times, there are times of like intimacy that God wants to just meet us. He doesn't care that last week you cussed somebody out. He doesn't care that you stole from your mom. He doesn't care about any of that. He wants that change, but like he doesn't care that you, of the sin that you have. He doesn't care how ashamed you feel. He doesn't care about that. All he wants is for you to be in his presence and to just simply be loved and to love him too. That, that moment with God, that's when we worship, when we come to him and we glorify him and just be loved in his presence. So how do we use worship? How do, I kind of explained some instruction a little bit but how do we use it in a practical way? What are some steps that we can do to use worship in our prayer times? Um, so in this book, uh, Spiritual Disciplines Handbook with Adele Calhoun, um, some of us have read it. It says, the heart of worship is to seek to know and love God in your own unique way. There is no style that is right or better in worship. The quality of worship emerges from a heart that is focused on him. The quality of worship is, emerges from the heart and its focus. The heart and its focus. What are we focused on? Are we focused on Jesus? What is our heart? What is our attitude when we come before him? But also that worship can be our own unique way. We don't have to worship like the worship team here does it. We don't have to worship like the church that does it down the street. We can just worship in our own unique way, whether that's expressive, whether that's not expressive, whether that's just listening to a song or screaming it out like in your backyard, like we can worship in our own unique ways and God loves that. One practical way that we can is finding our song or noticing in our lives, is there a song that God has drawn me to? A worship song that keeps playing on the radio that I keep singing in my head a bunch? Is there a song that like you listen to a lot or a hymn that you listen to a lot because those words seek deep into your soul? I remember for me, it was a song, it's really old, it's called um, With Everything by Hillsong United, and it's, it was one of my favorite worship songs when I was uh, a kid. Uh, and I would walk around my block at night to just kind of get away from um, all the things going on in my household. Put on, I had an iPad Nano, the little thing that only gives you like 25 songs and I put it in my pocket and I just walked around my block listening to with everything because God drew me to this song and it helped me in a really hard time in my life and it became my prayer that in the midst of all that I go through, with everything I'll shout your glory, Jesus. So what is that song for you? What is the song that God keeps drawing you to? Listen to it. Do a study about it. Like, look up on YouTube who the artist is and why they wrote it. Um, sing it. Sing it with your family. Put it on in your car. Um, let those words become a prayer to you and not just a song. Practical way number two, put a melody to your prayer. Or you can write your own song, or you can even use psalms as a way of singing out your prayers to God. Um, these are things that are really important because prayer 
comes out of our hearts. God doesn't want to see, like, cliche prayers. He doesn't want to see, um, like, things that you think he wants to see. God wants to see the real you through your prayers and through your worship. And so what is your prayer right now? Would you be courageous and willing in your silence and your prayer time with God to put a melody to them and just let those words envelop you like worship does to cause a transformation or just to come before God and just be loved? Practical way number three, if you're kind of shy about singing your prayers, if you're kind of shy about singing your song, maybe a great first step would just to be listening to it, would just to put on your Bible app and listen to the Psalms and to just let those words come over you as you get this time to communicate, to focus on God. And another way, my last one that I wanted to bring to you guys is find a secret place for it to just be you and him. Sometimes it's kind of intimidating um, to come together in community worship. It's great, it's awesome. I think we should worship as a community, but it's kind of intimidating to like practice worship sometimes um, if we're around people. For some of us, we might be shyer and like lifting our hands and kneeling and singing out songs. And so I encourage you to like try doing it in a secret place. Try doing it in a place where it's just you and God and you feel that, um, that nurturing, that place that um, you can just come to all the time. And um, for me, it was walking around my block, but now during the week, it's in the nursery because nobody's in there and they have really comfy chairs. So I just bring my guitar and I sit there and I just start playing and singing. Um, that's my secret place with God. Now nobody go and steal it. So uh, <laughs> I want to end on this quote to you guys. If the worship team can come back up, um, I love Henry Nowen and his heart, and he has a book that is an interview-style book, and it's called Beloved, Conversations with Henry Nowen. Um, and I, I love reading it, and the section about worship is super cool. I want to leave you with this quote that I found. It says, all our life should be worship. Every occasion in our time should be an occasion to say, yes, I love you too. That signals a change of heart. The moments that we call worship like Eucharist or morning prayer or whatever are basically nothing else but moments in which we remind ourselves that our lives are about moments in which we articulate in a particular way the essence of our existence. I'm going to say the last part again. It says the moments that we call worship like Eucharist or morning prayer or whatever are basically nothing else but moments in which we remind ourselves what our lives are about, moments in which we articulate in a particular way the essence of our existence. All our lives, not just on a Sunday morning, not just alone in our car, but every single part of our lives is worship to him. Coming back to why we were created, all of our life is praise lifted up, to God in everything that we do. Prayer and worship is not just a Sunday morning thing. It's not just singing. It's living out for God daily. God just wants to meet us in our worship. Whether that's through celebrating like Mary and Miriam and Moses, or that's carrying, 
him carrying us through the unknowns like Abram, or that's Moses waiting in the desert. He wants to meet us in whatever season we are in. In worship, we have the opportunity to commune with God, to be transformed by him, to break down strongholds, to break down strongholds in other people's lives, and to just simply come and be loved. So whether that's us going before him, praying our songs, or singing our prayers, or just simply worshiping him, God wants to meet you today and every single day of your life. So meet with him.